0: Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast with Chris Rogers and Brock Landers.
1: What's up, guys? And welcome back to the Wager Pager podcast. You guys know what we do. We talk sports gambling, make picks, and conduct must-hear interviews with some of the sharpest minds in the sports betting industry. I'm your host, Chris Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter, at Wager Pager Chris. And please follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter, at The Wager Pager. This is Season 2, Episode 24, recording live from Fairlawn Studios. That's right. We're coming to you from the mecca of sports gambling, our home state of New Jersey that won the Supreme Court battle and made the regulation of sports betting all possible. We got a great show for you guys this week. It's the NFL Draft Special. We are super excited to have the bear, Chris Felica, from ESPN Game Day joining us today to talk the NFL Draft. And we have the grand pooba of the prop market, Friend of the pod, Joey Kinish joining us as well. But first, let me introduce you to my co-host, one of the sharpest gamblers I know, my guy with 18 New Jersey betting outs and someone who knows his way around the sports book. Here he is, the Dr. Anthony Fauci of Gambling Twitter, cause he shuts it down, Brock Landers. What's going on,
2: Chris? What an introduction. It's been a long time, and I never thought in a million years that we would A. Be on a Zoom call right now to do the podcast. And I also never thought I'd be compared to Anthony Fauci. <laughs> Insane.
1: Hey, uh, he's one of the you know most popular guys out there right now on the internet. So I figured it's a good comparison.
2: I'm a lot younger though, and better hair, even though it's very long. Um, yeah, what a crazy time, Chris. I, I have my, my beautiful gambling notebook here, 2020. Everything going nice and smooth, got through football got through pretty much all of the NBA, and now <laughs> for nothing. All for nothing, Chris. We're here waiting. We need our sports back.
1: Yeah, man, my notebook's filled with nothing but draft stuff. It's the only thing we got left to bet, and that's why we are here today with the NFL Draft Special. We are super stoked to have on the Bear, Chris Felica from ESPN, one, probably one of the top like sports gambling guys out there. And oh, we're bringing back Joey Knish.
2: Yeah, always great to talk to Joey Kinnish. And I'll tell you what, between them both talking to us about the draft, I'm a little more now ready for it. I think I needed that. I needed a good, you know, kick in the ass to kind of say, hey, let's get some, some draft action going. Um, so I, I'm definitely going to be attacking it at some point maybe. Um, probably the good thing about the draft, Chris, is there's so much news that can come so late. And even Joey pointed this out. Books are all over the place. There's no Don Best for the draft stuff. So you could really be searching through Twitter day of draft that entire day and get some really good nuggets that people, you know, up to this point, everything is still random. I mean, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, especially in this draft, uh, with, with the quarterbacks alone, uh, after pretty much Joe Burrow.
1: Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more uh, especially with the NFL draft. You kind of got to wait till those last couple of days. There's a lot of information that's going to be coming out from these beat reporters, People on Twitter, you know, I, I, I put down a couple tastes on a couple little things here and there, but I'm probably going to wait till like Monday or Tuesday to throw down uh, most of my bets for the NFL draft. But uh, that, that brings up uh, another question for you, Brock. Mm-hmm. I mean, traditionally, how much do you throw down on the NFL draft? Uh, and are you going to be betting it more this year just because of the quarantine?
2: The thing is, Chris, I've kind of already made up my mind that until sports are completely back in full swing, I'll probably take a break from from betting. Um, you know, I don't, I don't need to do it and this and that. So it's one of those things where historically not many, uh, you know, memorable drafts for me, but there is one story that I can definitely share. Um, it was the Baker Mayfield draft a couple of years ago. A lot of uncertainty about who was going to go first pick, if you remember – And that morning, I'll never forget, I remember going on Twitter and seeing some reports starting about Baker Mayfield possibly being first overall. Um, We knew that it was pretty much going to be Saquon second. I believe that was still pretty much kind of a thing. And uh, the Baker Mayfield news slowly started that morning. And I remember going at the time, this was, I think, pre-legalization still I, I could be wrong I think it was 2018 draft in April and I want to say maybe May they came right you would probably know better on that
1: yeah um, it was the year before
2: okay yeah so I was still just using my my two or three local outs that I had and I check and one of them already made the switch hearing the news so Baker Mayfield went all the way down to like I think like four to one or three to one and I still had one book that had him at 12 to one So I was only able to put 200 bucks on it, but long story short, more and more information started coming out, and I was able to max bet it before the line switched, and uh, I was waiting and waiting for that first name to be called, and sure enough, it was Baker Mayfield, and uh, pretty cool text from the bookie that Monday, uh, (laughs) nice hit, and uh, he paid up, everything was good, Uh, pretty much furnished my living room, uh, so that was cool. And uh, I always have a soft spot for Baker Mayfield. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man. I think it was uh, Schefter that broke that news that day. So a guy like that, put something like that out. You got to know that it's going to happen, man. And that's exactly what you, you were talking about, waiting until the end to put in these plays.
2: Absolutely. Definitely keep that Twitter feed open. Follow all these writers. Um, the thing is, too, though, there's a lot of smoke screens out there, as we know. And, uh, you know, all eyes are going to be on the draft. I mean, like you said, this is the first real major – Thing that people can bet on. I mean, people have been betting on horses and stuff like that, uh, and esports. Somehow, I don't know how people are getting involved with that. It's kind of crazy to consider, but yeah, definitely this draft is definitely going to be one I'll probably look a little bit more into now, just because also too we're bored. What are we going to do at night? You know, th- there's nothing else to watch. Might as well try to fire up the gambling accounts again. Uh, I don't even know if I can remember my passwords for some of them. Probably <laughs> I haven't used them for so long, but uh, yeah, man, we're uh, we'll definitely take a look at it probably.
1: I had the same exact problem today, Brock, just uh, logging into all my accounts, trying to look through all the different prop markets there. And I I literally had to do the whole email, forget password thing twice because it's been that long since I put in a bet. But uh, I am certainly looking forward to the NFL draft. My friend, uh, you know, haven't been much to gamble on in the past couple months, like you said. And uh, let's get to it, man. There's not much uh, left to talk about. Let's uh, fire it up here. The Wager Pager podcast NFL draft special. Get pumped, get psyched. We love betting on sports here at the Wager Pager podcast, but that's not all we bet on. Predicted.org is the stock market for politics. You can make real money predictions on everything from the 2020 Democratic vice presidential choice, congressional actions, Trump administration policies, and much, much more. More than 200 markets are live at any point, with new markets going up every weekday. Predicted.org is headquartered in Washington, D.C. and legal in all 50 states for any U.S. citizen who is 18 years of age or older. Log on to predictedorg slash promo slash wager20. That's predictedorg slash promo slash wager20. Think you know politics? Put your money where your mouth is. Be sure to visit predicted.org today. All right, guys, if you bet college football and tune in to ESPN's College Game Day or listen to the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast, then you probably already know our next guest. Here he is, the Bear, Chris Falika. You guys can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Felica. What's up, Bear? Welcome to the Wager Pager podcast.
3: Wait, 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 what's going on? Good to uh, be on with you guys and, uh, and, uh, and kill some time here as we all uh, seem apparently to have a whole lot of time to kill these days.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, it's a crazy world out there with the coronavirus pandemic hitting us all. Uh, nothing to bet on, really. No sports going on. I know you're a big horse racing guy. I think Brock's got some questions for you later about that. But uh, let's just kick it off here with the uh, NFL Draft, the biggest event coming up. I know you're going to be ready for it. Um, like every year, it's very interesting at the top of the draft here. Um, the number three pick seems to be a linchpin here. Very interesting stuff. What do you think is going to happen with the Detroit Lions? Um, are they, what are they going to do here? All along, everyone's been talking about Akuda. Now there's rumors that they might take Tua actually themselves or even trade back and uh, give the spot to someone else who might want to come up and get a quarterback.
3: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, the three is where the draft really begins. And if I'm the Lions... Obviously, you're going to start the, the the two a conversation just to try and get someone, whether it's the Dolphins, the Chargers, or someone else, even further back to uh, to jump up to three and give you uh, an extra couple of picks there when you really probably have no intention of taking two to begin with. But you've got to play the game and try and uh, maximize your your draft capital and your draft spot to, to help your franchise. The most I think people forget how well Matthew Stafford actually played last year when uh, he was healthy. So. I don't. I don't know. If, if I'm the Lions, I'm not taking two of there. I'm going to try and see if I can get uh, the, the Dolphins, the Chargers, or someone to trade up. I mean, uh, Akuda is a natural pick for a team that's uh, lost a lot, including Darius Slay and some other guys. But uh, who, who, who really knows? I mean, I, I think the Lions have proven over the years that they're a franchise that uh, can certainly uh, go in some surprising directions on draft day over the course of many, many years. So. Who knows what Matt Patricia and that organization ultimately is going to do? But I, I would think Akuda would be the pick here if they can't convince uh, the the, uh, the Dolphins or the, uh, the Chargers of someone to uh, to move up.
1: All right, very cool, guys. Uh, you guys are listening to the Bear Chris Falika here on the Wager Pager Podcast. Chris, tell us, there's a ton of good wide receivers in this draft, and it's a uh, pretty bunched up here at the top. We got Jerry Judy, CD Lamb, and Henry Ruggs all uh, positioned to be the top three receivers. Who do you think is the best out of that three, and uh, how, how do you think they're going to fall, kind of in, in draft order?
3: I, I think Jerry Judy is the best of them. I, I know there are some people out there with some uh, analytical type measures that think C.D. Lamb is the best of the three, uh, but I just watch Judy's route running. Uh, I, I watch his ability to catch the ball in stride. Uh, I, I, yeah, you can say that he's been he's been running wide open at times, but can't you say the same thing? Uh, about CD Lamb against some of those Big 12 defenses and uh, some of, the, of those offensive schemes that they have as well. I'm certainly not trying to take anything away from Lamb or, or Judy, but I think Judy, I mean, I've heard some people compare him potentially uh, to a Marvin Harrison type player, which is fantastic. And, and, and the other thing, again, this is something that, yeah, maybe it's a little unfair, but these Oklahoma wide receivers that go into the NFL, uh, how many of them have really, truly panned out to have a, a career close to what they had in college uh i would maybe be a little bit concerned about that but again lamb looks like a different type of player in terms of his uh yards after the catch and in his strength as well so if it were me i'm taking judy but i certainly wouldn't argue to uh do to take lamb I, I will i would say this though i think the depth of the wide receiver group here uh, I, I would think you're going to see a lot of wide receivers come off the board probably either later in the first round, early in the second round. I don't know what type of props are out there on wide receiver totals for the first round, but I think uh, the depth of this class, obviously with uh, someone like Jefferson and Ayuk and, and uh, Pittman from uh, from USC as well, there are a ton of guys out there. So it could be a situation where uh, a team that I'm a fan of, uh, use for an example, like the New York Jets, uh, who have a ton of needs, including wide receiver, including offensive line, maybe they're in a position where, uh, because of the number of wide receivers that they can get, uh, you, you take an off and you pass on someone like Judy or Ruggs or Lamb, uh, where they're picking at 11, and you take an offensive lineman, whomever it is, if it's if it's Wills or Werff or whomever might be there, and, and then you take uh, a wide receiver who might be still around at the top of round two. So uh, I think the abundance of wide receiver in this, this draft is going to create some interesting strategies for some teams with a lot of needs, including that group.
1: Hey Bear, I got a uh, little sniff on C.D. Lamb under pick twelve and a half, so I wouldn't mind to see the Jets grab him there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've heard. I've, I mean, he's been associated with the Jets. He's been associated with the uh, uh, the Jaguars as well. And, and like like I said, I think there are a lot of teams that are very, very high on him. So uh, I it, I have a hard time seeing a wide receiver go in to the top ten. But 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 again, it, teams might just. It's interesting. I've seen some quotes out there about all these mocks this year and how. Uh, the, the, these box are way off, so we'll find out what happens on uh, on Thursday and Friday night, but again, typically a a top 10 pick on a wide receiver doesn't happen uh, very often, and I guess we we probably shouldn't be surprised if something crazy happens on Thursday night, and, and, and there could potentially be a run early as well.
2: I happened to look it up just now while you guys were talking, and uh, right now it's uh, five and a half over under for first round wide receivers with the uh, over like minus 260.
3: Yeah, that, that that's that's juiced pretty good, but I mean, you've got the three for sure uh, with Rugs, Judy, and, and Lamb. I, I would think Jefferson is probably a near lock, and then if, if you just got to get uh, two more between uh, Ayuk, Pittman, uh, Bims, I mean, yeah, it, it it seems like a, a lot of juice to lay. But I I think because of the and we were talking about this on Daily Wager. Um, a couple of weeks back with some of these first round props, because you're not going to have a run of quarterbacks in the back and you're going to get the four and, and that'll probably be it. You're only going to get maybe one running back at most uh, with, with, with Swift, probably you're going to get a lot of wide receivers. You're going to get a lot of offensive linemen. The picks got to come from somewhere. And if there aren't going to be any running backs, or quarterbacks taken, I, I think wide receiver will probably be the, uh, the group that, that, that would stand to benefit the most that total.
2: And that that uh, two sixty four was at pinnacle, by the way, Chris.
3: Okay, well, that that that's a good one to, uh, to trust. <laughs> that, 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 that's that's the, uh, the sharpest books in the world there. So that 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 price, you're probably not going to find a, a a better one out there than that.
1: Very cool. Speaking of uh, player count, I know another big prop. A lot of people are looking at right now is the, how many offensive linemen are we going to see selected and I'll go off the board here in the first round. The over under is currently like six six and a half here out in Jersey. I know some people got it last week at like five and a half. There could be upwards of maybe seven offensive linemen taken in the first round. What do you think, Bear?
3: Yeah, uh, again, I think I think you're probably looking at a, a guys like um, Austin Jackson, who I've heard uh, some people like him, some people don't. A guy like Josh Jones, who I think uh, early level some concerns about. It. I, I think it ultimately comes down to one or two of those guys going in the first round. But again, like, like we were just talking about with the wide receivers, uh, if you're not going to get Swift, Dobbins, Taylor – Edwards Hilaire in the first round or you're not going to get the uh, Eason in the first round to give a fifth quarterback uh some groups got to get taken and and I, I would think the offensive lineman again would be a group that would benefit so I, I would tend to lean uh over the total on that as well and, and look you guys though, and listen and watch my, my thoughts a lot I am not a uh, an, an over type uh player I'm more of a contrarian I like I like to play under and kind of a a lack of achievement, I guess, would be the the way my mentality goes. Because people love to see the over, people love to see big numbers. But uh, I, I think here with the information you have, uh, that's probably a, a spot where you go over the wide receivers and over uh, the offensive linemen.
2: Yeah, looking at Pinnacle right now, they have it looks like uh, over five and a half offensive linemen minus six ten, under uh,
3: five and a half plus three seventy five. Yeah, so so for six to I mean, I'm I'm just gonna pull up. Uh, Mel's mocked her up with right now, and you've got Caesar Ruiz. Uh, I'm gonna work from the back. Uh, you've got Thomas. You've got Wills. You've got Becton. You've got Worse, and, and and you've got uh, that's five. So that's uh, Mel's only got five. So if you if you like the over, uh, I mean, if, 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 I'm sorry, if you like if you like the under, then maybe plus 370 might not be a uh a, a bad play there.
1: Okay, we're writing that down right now. Um, <laughs> how about the uh, interest? Uh, again,
3: again, again, again? But he does have at the very, very top of the second round. He's right. got Jones and and, um, and Jackson going. So it very easily, could one slip. of those two could could slide into the uh, the back end, and that could give you six and and, and go over. But at that price, whew, that's that's a lot to lay. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd rather I'd rather lay six hundred on Clemson winning the ACC than I, than, <laughs> than I would six offensive linemen going in the first round. Definitely.
1: Yeah, might have to take a flyer there. Uh, what about the interesting case of Mr. Derrick Brown, widely regarded as the best defensive tackle in this draft class? A lot of people think he's going to go top 10, like me. Um, a lot of people think he might go to Carolina at 7, even maybe if Detroit tries to do something crazy at 3. What do you think about Derek Brown and where he's going to fall?
3: I, I love Derrick Brown. I, I know most people are infatuated with, uh, with, with Chase Young and obviously his physical ability and and skills are great, but Derek Brown uh, was just as impactful, if not more impactful, I think, uh, on, on the interior of that defensive line at Auburn last year than uh, more people realize. Um, maybe he's not going to be a, an up-the-middle-type pass rusher and get you eight, nine, ten sacks every year, but he is going to be uh, a, a guy who, who takes a lot of double teams and, and really can disrupt the middle of that line and, and, and disrupt a lot of running. I love Derek Brown. Uh, it's amazing to think that that Auburn is a team uh, that hasn't had a first-round pick um, since 2014. And it's crazy, like, if you look at the SEC, the only two teams in that span since 14 haven't had a first-round pick, Auburn and Vanderbilt. Uh, and that's like the Sesame Street, one of these things, is doing their own <laughs> things type of a category. But but I think Brown will uh, cause that streak to end very early. And, and I would be very, very surprised if he did not go uh, in the top 10.
1: Very cool. Um, what do you think is going to happen at number four with the New York Giants? Everyone was saying for a while they're going to uh, go defense. Isaiah Simmons was a popular pick there, but now it looks like they might be going offensive tackle. We're hearing Tristan Wirfs. Um, I think personally they might go with uh, the kid from Alabama, Willis. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I, I think I think it's one of I think it's one of those. I think I could probably go to camp with the Giants this year and maybe try out for their for their offensive line because they're really <laughs> really thin there and need a lot of help. Um, uh, I, I, Simmons is a guy who I think a lot of people put there, but yeah, I think offensive line I'll probably be the pick and and I know there are some books out there. I don't know what one it is, but a, a buddy of mine said he found somewhere the other day uh Wills at 20 to 1 to be the first offensive player taken in the draft, which or second offensive player taken in the yeah. draft rather after after Burrow, which is plus
1: 230 or something like that.
3: Well I know. I, I saw he said he said Wills was twenty to one to be the second offensive player taken in the draft, which I'm sure what oh, once, gotcha, gotcha. once he put down whatever it was. Um wow and maybe it has moved but if you think the Giants are in play for a lineman there at, at four and you trust that uh, there's a Joe Judge connection to Alabama, and he certainly knows Wills very well. You would think that Wills or Worse might be the pick. So uh, maybe maybe you take worse. I think Worse was, I think, was like 230 or so as well. So maybe you take Wills, maybe you take Worse and try and create uh, a, a little bit of value there with two guys at plus money, uh, thinking that Simmons won't be the picks in that offensive line. Uh, look, you you've got you've got your running back for the future in Saquon Barkley. You've got your quarterback for the future, you think. And Daniel Jones, now you need to help that offensive line and help both those guys out. So I, I think offensive line will be the pick there. And uh, whether you like Wills or whether you like worse.
1: Okay. Um we 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 talked about all the wide receivers. This this draft is chock full of them. I got a couple names here. Um I'm thinking they're gonna go first round and might be part of that group that you that you referred to earlier. Uh, Brandon Ayuk and T Higgins. You think those guys are both
3: first rounders? I think Ayuk definitely is. Uh, he he's he's a guy also that really really helps uh, in, in the kickoff game. I know that area has kind of been um, mitigated a bit by some of the rule changes in the NFL, but he is a guy who can have a Cordero Patterson type effect on the return game uh, in, in the NFL. I really really like i He's a big uh, big threat guy. Higgins I think is one of those guys who could be one of the final couple picks of the first round. Um, or a very high pick on the top of the second round. Um, again, I, I think that h- isn't Higgins' draft position like 30 and a half or something like that. I, it, it's something close there, uh, or he's like a borderline figure. Yeah, he's right there. Yeah, so um, of the two, I like Ayuk a little bit better, um, but but I certainly think there is a chance both going the first round. I, I think Ayuk definitely will go in the first round, and Higgins, if he doesn't go at 30 or 31 or uh, or 32. I, I don't know how he fits into the, uh, the Chiefs offense there with Mahomes, if that's the type of guy that they would want uh, on on that offense or not. The 49ers, obviously, need a wide receiver. We'll see if they take one uh, as well, but but I would think some of these teams, um, whether it's a, the Packers at 30 or uh, the Bengals, if they're going to get Joe Burrow another weapon outside A.J. Green, um, or, or, or the Colts if they need another wide receiver. I, I think there are certainly a lot of spots. Uh, At the top of the second round, if the Packers indeed pass on a wide receiver at thirty,
1: very interesting stuff. Go ahead, Brock.
2: Any any thoughts, Chris, on the you know second quarterback off the board? We're hearing a lot of you know this week has been a lot of Tua back and forth with Herbert, and who do who
3: do you think uh, ends up going where? You both watch a lot of college football. I watch a lot of college football. I, I I know Tua has these injury concerns. But if you watch college football over the last two-plus seasons and you think Justin Herbert is a better quarterback than, than Tua Tagovailoa, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, there were times last year, and again, maybe it was the play calling. Uh, maybe it was Arroyo. Maybe it was Cristobal. Who knows? But there were times that Oregon last year appeared to not even trust Herbert to throw the ball. Remember the Arizona State game, which they lost? Uh, the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, the, the Rose Bowl. There were two. I mean, uh, Herbert was the MVP of that game because of his legs and his running ability. I mean, I don't. I don't think he threw a pass in. in like most of the second half, until that unbelievable pass he threw on the uh, on, on the third down play on the final drive. But all he really needed to do was run the ball that, that, to run the clock out. But uh, I would take Tua. People again talk about oh, the Alabama receivers are wide open. But a- a- again, if you take Tua and he doesn't pan out. as a GM or a front office guy, you're not going to – you won't get fired for that. If you pass on Tua and he turns out to be great and you're trying to be – outsmart yourself, and outsmart everybody and take Herbert and he turns out to be not a bust but doesn't pan out to be what you thought he was and you set your franchise back, that's the type of move that's going to get you fired. Uh, I think Tua is a better player, but but again, there's a lot of stuff out there that makes you think, that, that that Herbert could be the uh, the second quarterback taken, and I know there's been a lot of uh, movement in that line uh, in recent days or so to, to indicate that. But but gosh, I, I, I may, maybe I watch too much college football to to really have a, an objective opinion on this. But I, I just think two is a better player, and and I would even with the the bit of injury concern. It's interesting too. How many times you you have you thought about like. With, with, with injuries and stuff and quarterbacks and oh I don't want to take him and, and you know, remember Matthew Stafford oh he can't, he's an injury prone guy in college and went to the NFL and he's been pretty healthy I mean I know last year he had his issues and, or, or then there's a guy in college you love he didn't oh, he's he hasn't missed a start and, and then Deshaun Watson gets hurt so injuries it, it, it's, it's totally random and uh I would I would take two of them.
2: Yeah, currently seeing right now at uh, FanDuel here in New Jersey, they actually have a uh, a matchup prop between the two. And uh, right now, Justin Herbert is minus 118 uh, to a minus 108. So very interesting to see how that's going to end up. That's a
3: nice straddle there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, we, we know that you're a big time, uh, you know, horse racing fan. And that's pretty much one of the, the first things I grew up betting was was horse racing. And I still love Triple Crown every year. And with all this stuff that's going on, we got the Derby now going on in September. Um, what's your feelings on just kind of what's going to happen in the summer with, uh, you know, you got your races like the Haskell and, you know, the, the Midsummer Derby up at Saratoga, the Travers, are those prep races now? Like,
3: what's... Yeah, what's your, that, your that's, ultimately, that's ultimately what, what, I, what I think it comes down to is that they'll be uh, point assigned races depending on when those meets go. And uh, I think the other interesting domino, which is yet to fall, and again, we'll, we'll see what happens with some of these meets and when they open, like Naira has not announced like when they're going to run the Belmont, if they're going to, if they're going to run the Belmont after the Derby later in the fall or not, like I'm I'm of the school of thought. And again, it's only been since the uh, post-World War II that you've had the Derby preak this Belmont order of, uh, of the races. Like, if, if you're a racing fan, which I am, and, and a number of the racing fans out there, and, and the betters themselves, I think it would be kind of cool if the Belmont says, you know what, Belmont's going to run in the end of June or, or mid. You know what, we're going to run the Belmont then, uh, and that's going to be the first leg of the Triple Crown, and, and maybe the, the the Belmont and maybe the the Derby will be the last leg. I, I think that would be be kind of cool for the, uh, for, for the for the Derby to potentially have this uh, these weird unusual circumstances because unfortunately everything that's going on in the world and there maybe could be a triple crown on the line in the Kentucky Derby, uh, w- w- which would be which would be kind of neat. Uh, I know the horsemen there might be some hesitation in having a mile and a half race be uh one of the first races back for some of their three-year-olds right. at that point. But but I personally if if Belmont wants to run the the, the Belmont stakes first and the Derby be second or third i have no issue with that i think everybody just kind of i don't want to say look out for themselves in their best interest here but 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 i think the the triple crown races need to come together and be like look it's an odd set of circumstances in order to kind of help each other out and and realize the financial needs and the best weather time of the year for for the races to be held if if pimlico and and belmont want to run earlier and ahead of the uh ahead of the, uh, the the derby i think they should be allowed to do that
2: yeah uh, great stuff there chris i mean that's an interesting way to look at it um going now for for what's been going on now i know oak is still open and i know gulf stream is still open anything uh successful down there for you as far as betting anything that you've been looking at angle wise i know a couple weeks ago i think gaff Leon was doing pretty hot down in gulf stream
3: yeah, well, when when they when the the real uh, real in quotes Gulfstream meet the championship meet uh, ended and they transferred over to what I like to call the Calder part of the <laughs> yeah. uh, the Gulfstream meet where they were, but but I, I will say this is a lot of the regular horses have hung around, and because they just really know where to ship. So, so you've had a little bit better quality horses there at Gulfstream early on, um, and, and Gaffney has been been winning well the last couple of days, have seen some unbelievable long shots. At yeah. uh, Gulfstream, which uh, is not surprising, because you you do see at times uh, some of these uh, w- when when you get uh, that transition in the horses are kind of figuring out, you you get a lot of weird results. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, when they had the mandatory payout of the pick six uh, right before the championship meet uh, closed out, I, I had five out of six and missed out on about oh wow. or so so that, that, that was a little bit of a downer uh, missed qualifying for the NHC, uh, last week when, uh, I had a I had a nice horse in the slop, um, at Gulfstream uh, led every step of the way under underwent really, really fast fractions and then got beat at the wire. And that cost me, I, I finished fourth and they were by like $3 and 20 cents and there were three seats up. So I'm going to take another shot this afternoon in the, uh, in the qualifier, um, and see what happens. But, uh, and uh, Oakland has been, Oakland has been okay. Gulfstream has been a little, a little, uh, a, a little dry, I guess would be the, uh, the, the right, the right word to say over the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks. To stay uh segued over from the, uh, the championship meet to the, uh, the regular meet.
1: All right, guys, that was the bear Chris Falika from ESPN's college game day and the Stanford Steve and the bear podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Felica. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. Stay safe out there and good luck betting the draft, man.
3: Yeah. You guys do the same. Great talking to you. And hopefully, uh, at some point during the fall and or winter, we'll have some college football to talk about and I can uh, certainly pop on and chat with you guys again.
2: Absolutely, appreciate it, Chris.
3: Take care, guys. Thanks.
1: All right, guys, we are super excited to have back on the show for his third appearance, well, last time we had him on the Super Bowl Super Pod. Here he is, the grand pooba of the prop market, you know him from Gambling Twitter, Joey Kanish. You can follow him on Twitter at Joey Knish22. What's up, brother? Welcome back to the show. Third time's a charm, baby.
4: Good to be on with you guys again. A uh, little bit of a hat trick here. Uh, they, my week. This is the week. This is the week, baby. A little NFL draft time. Uh, this is my wheelhouse. Um, and I got nothing else going on. So this is probably uh, the most time I've ever spent on a draft, most money I've ever put on a draft. So hopefully we can uh, churn it out here, make people a couple of bucks.
2: Nice. We can't wait to hear what Uncle Kanish has to tell us.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, We're recording here on a Sunday, so we're uh, about four days out from the draft. Kanish, I'm sure you've been uh, studying all the different markets. We're looking at books here in Jersey. I know you're up on Pinnacle and stuff like that. What are you betting that other people aren't talking about? I know you're the king of the prop market. Everybody's looking at the same stuff. Give us something obscure to throw down on.
4: No, you know what, that's what um, you, you first off to touch on your point right there, you said it and the, the reason uh, that, that I've been able to be, you know, effective in years past and this year is having access to all these different places so I've been able to been able to get down in Jersey at a lot of the domestic shops get down offshore um, at a lot of the old school offshore places um, and you know, the PPH accounts, your locals and that. So to me, if, if, as long as you're able and, and that's not easy, I, it took me some logistics to be able to put all that together um, to be able to get down bets in Vegas and Jersey. But this is the market. There's no, there's no Don best. There's no odd screen. There's no real linear um, odds where everyone's going to be able to say, Oh, they, you know, DraftKings has got that, but FanDuel's got that, and they're going to copy each other where, you know, on an NFL game, it's basically a line moves, and everybody copies it in, you know, 30 seconds or five minutes at the most. Um, it, it, this is where you can be effective, the most effective with shopping around is this kind of event, and there's no books. I, I've never seen this many draft. Last year, you know, uh, the draft, a lot of books were kind of tired of, of taking a red number on the draft, so you saw it kind of pull back. This year, they almost had no choice, so it was just a massive scale ton of options. Um, but to answer your question, one that I like that's um, still available out there is a little sprinkle on Derek Brown to go third or a, the Ooh. trifecta. A couple of the, the FanDuel, and I believe DraftKings has it well. Um, I played it at one of the offshores, but there's a trifecta where you can bet first, second, third pick um, to go in order. We know pretty much you know, 99.99%. Burrow's one, Young is two. So you've got the first two pieces of the trifecta there. I sprinkled some long, there was earlier in the week, there was a Brown 40 to one. Um, I'm still seeing out there in, you know, the, in Jersey land, 10 to one or above 10 to one, 15 to one, 20 to one. Um, If you can get basically all of the group think around, you know, lines taking Okuda and they still might very well take Okuda at three. But for the most part, he's lined at, you know, even money or plus 110. Don't touch any of that because that's just basically working off of a lot of assumptions and no real info. They've got a need on defensive line. He's the number one defensive lineman, and that is absolutely worth a sprinkle. They've talked about trying to trade back. It's very easy to say we want to trade back, harder to execute. Um, so I don't bet a lot of stuff on on the presumption of trades. I, I think the Lions will probably end up having to stick there, especially without, you know, a lot of teams chasing a QB. Um, and Derry, it's either going to be for me, it's a Cuda or Brown for them. So if you can get Brown at 10 to one or better to go third or bet one of those trifectas, I love a little sprinkle of peace there.
1: Very juicy stuff there. Uh, Kanish, you're leading me into my next question. Actually, it seems like the number three pick here with your Detroit Lions seems to be the linchpin of this draft. Whatever happens there, the dominoes will fall afterwards. Um, I think Brown is a nice little sniff there to maybe take a look at. What do you think about them making uh, actually taking two and now? People are talking up there's some rumors that they might even take two of themselves and not straight out.
4: I, you know what I, I had heard, and I had a couple people tell me that it, that was being talked about in the room. Um, I number one, the the lions ha- has, since Bob Quinn took over, have been airtight with leaks. They're not a team that leaks a bunch of bad info. They're not a team that 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 has, you know, a, a ton of scouts leaking stuff. They've been super, super airtight with information. So I tend to not, Really, um you know, lean into too much. A lot of the word around what's going on with the Lions, um as far as their dress. it would surprise me um it, from the fact that they still got staff. You can't get rid of Stafford. He's got a player option. He would have to opt out of that next year, or you'd be on the hook again for a ton of dead money. Also, Quinn and Patricia are. I mean, I, I think they're a losing year away from probably getting canned. At least Patricia for sure. So for me to take a quarterback who's not going to play. For your entire season um in the three spot when, when your jobs are on the line in, in a lot of cases with this season would be surprising to me doesn't mean it can't happen but i i haven't wagered uh on any of that as far as two going three I, i'd be much that would surprise me a lot more than two dropping out of the top 10 completely with uh, a lot of the word that's coming out around the league
2: yeah, uh, Kanish. We have in uh, in New Jersey on Fanduel. We have a prop right now. You can do a matchup prop, uh, Tua and Herbert. And right now, Herbert's in the lead, minus one eighteen right now. Currently, minus 108 for Tua. What's your feelings on that? As far as Herbert going second,
4: unless that unless this is a lot of team. I mean, you've looked in. Uh, Bob McGinn had a, a, an anonymous, um, you know, scouting. He's got a lot of connections in the league, um, and they had a, did like a one to ten of. What's your injury um, concern with Tua? And the uh, aggregate rating was 7.6. So you've heard a lot of teams that basically have him red flagged. I think there's a handful of teams in the league that have him completely off of their board. Um, Also, there's, you know, reading on this injury, he had the trauma surgery, even though he's back to throwing again, you don't get a good sense of of whether that player will have like a lasting arthritis or any of that in that hip for nine to 12 months. And you couple that with the fact that teams weren't actually able to get their doctors in front of them and be able to do like a full scale inspection of him. Um, So I think, I think the Finns are going to take a quarterback and I think they're going to take Herbert over Tua. Um, And unless the chargers make a move to three, which I wouldn't expect, I I would lean Herbert. They're still at that price. You know, I know that's been plus money for going back a couple of weeks, but even at minus minus one eighteen. I still think it's a safe bet. You know, right now I put it at more than 50, 50 that Herbert goes ahead of Tua um, is unless the dolphins have been playing a long-term game here with the, uh, the info they're putting out. I think they go. Herbert don't have a great sense of what the chargers do, uh, but unless they were to jump up to three or something, which I wouldn't anticipate, I think Herbert goes five to the fins uh, and you'll be able to cash that right there. Nice.
1: Yeah. Definitely seems like the fins are leading, uh, leaning towards Herbert at this point, Joey, Joey Knish here, guys, on the Wager Pager podcast. Tremendous info, as usual. There's a draft here out in Jersey we're looking at from DraftKings, something I might, uh, I might throw down on here. Number of running backs in the first round. We got a uh, total running backs drafted in the first round. .5 is plus 180 on the comeback and a minus 225 to go over. I think there's going to be none.
4: I would, lean, I, I would lean towards none, but at, at those prices – um that that would be a stay away from me I think when you get into the last so there's not going to be a running back in the top 20 I would almost say with assurance so when you get into that last 10 to 12 picks or what's more than likely five to six picks um you're adding in a, a ton of variance there there you're not really betting on certainty of certain players going you know x at that point uh you're more trying to look at you know the probabilities what's a good price um I wouldn't lay that kind of even though I would say, you know, maybe I'm, you know, 55, 45, 60, 40, that there's no running back in the first round. I wouldn't lay anything 200 or above um, on that because you've got a number of teams there, uh, especially look at the Chiefs at 32 uh, that, that really don't have, you know, McCoy's career is probably done. They don't really have anybody on the roster. They're, they're a team that's got a ton of starters coming back. They could use, you know, a pass catching running back there. Um, you know, there's basically the, the teams that are in that last five there, I, I would be a touch worried about. You know, as far as sneaking up, do I think there's going to be one? No, um, but, but that's not one I'm willing to lay, you know, huge chuck on of minus 200 or above that, that there's not going to be one. So at that point for me, it's a stay away, uh, but I would definitely lean towards your side as far as what's going to be the end result. I'd lean towards no um, more so than yes, in terms of there not being one, but not 100% bettable for me at the current price there.
2: Yeah, Chris brought up a good point with the running backs. And I think this goes into my next question pretty well. Um, You know, we're seeing so many different types of ways that they're attacking this. You could bet college uh, conferences, how many guys. uh, You could just do offensive linemen. You could do defensive players versus offensive players. Is there any type of props that you absolutely just don't like, just hate? Like, oh, that's a terrible prop. I would never even think about betting that.
4: You know the conference ones, like uh, you know one I had uh, I was on a, a stream with some guys last night talking about it. The, there's like an Alabama LSU one. The conference ones that have a higher number, like you know you've got like uh Alabama versus LSU, like you know over five and a half or one of those. When you get start getting into the four or five player range, you start bringing in the back half of the draft and a lot more uncertainty um, around these players. Where guys that you know like a Travon Diggs. A Patrick McQueen, guys that are Alabama, LSU. That you know, a lot of mocks might have them end of the first round, but there's such a high variance there that that I think you're you're you know you're kind of speculating um, with without a lot of solid info there. So to me, if you're going to do a conference run, especially, um, that's one where I've got to feel I, I like it at lower numbers where there's more certainty, like you know a Clemson or an Ohio State where you've got basically um, you know I laid some Clemson. Uh, plus a half minus 200 this week. Uh, once the news that AJ Terrell um, was looking towards uh, being uh, much more of a guarantee for the first round, even maybe the, you know, in the teens, um, cause you've got Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. That's assured shirt for the first round. Now you've got Terrell um, and you've got the two Ohio state players um, that you expect to go in the first round. So there, you know, you're looking at where it's likely going to be a two and two, a lot lower variance there's not a lot of ton to enter the first round where you'd expect anything crazy to happen. So for me, the ones that I try and stay away from also another one that, 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 you know what, now that it just jogged my memory is the defensive line, you've got to be careful what the book considers a defensive lineman or a linebacker, because there's a lot of hybrids, you know, does he, what is he considered where I've seen some sites have linebacker three and a half and others five and a half. And so you might think like, Oh, I'm getting the middle. But it's all going to depend on the grading. And so that's one where, especially if you're betting at a local or a PPA, that I would stay away from because they're they're unlike, a, you know, a bet online or a 5-9 or a DraftKings or a FanDuel that you can, you know, call up. You might be able to talk to that, you know, the the local shops aren't going to be as lean, lean on you as that one. So the defensive line grading can be very, very skewed book to book as what they actually consider a defensive lineman or a linebacker. So that's when I would totally steer clear from or you're going to get yourself into a little bit of a, a grading nightmare there.
1: Excellent point. Interesting stuff, guys, from Joey Kanish. As usual, you mentioned Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. Um, at DraftKings here in Jersey, his over-under is at position 6.5. A, a lot of people were talking about he was going to go to the Giants at first, but it seems like he's slipping down that draft board now. Maybe the over over six and a half? What do you think about that?
4: oh i I agree with I tell you what I did last night at points bet was uh, they've got like maybe a, a dozen players or you know ten to twelve players that you can do actual points betting on where you know you stake like let's say it's a hundred bucks and then it's basically over under you cast for how many positions. I took an over six um thinking that you know if he goes to seven, you cast for a hundred. If he goes to ten, you cast for four hundred and that type of um so I, I think there's a real potential that you could see him. Slide, you know, maybe to you know, even eight, nine, ten, or possibly in the early teens. Um, hybrid linebacker is not a typical position that that you see in the top ten in a lot of cases. Um, it has to be certain real scheme specific. I don't see a scenario where he goes in the top five in any scenario where he ends up in the top five. So six for me would be the first. And the Chargers already have that kind of you know, tool player during Derwin James. Um so I don't think he's going top six. I like over six and a half there. Um, I played some over seven and a half as well at plus 200 or better. Um, I did the points betting thing where he goes over. I think he's one that, that caught a lot of uh, a combine. And yeah, don't get me wrong, great athlete. But I, I haven't really, you know, as far as matching him up to a team, the first spot that I, without trades, the first spot that I could see him going is seven. Um, and that would be a Carolina. And that would it honestly surprise me a bit. If they went there to start out, so um, yeah, I like that over. I laid a you know a minus 150 over five and a half. I laid six and a half. I laid a little bit of seven and a half. Um, I did the points betting. So to me, I think Simmons is on the slide here. Uh, and if you can get six and a half at a good price, I absolutely think that's a good bet.
2: Like you said, you have access to so many books, Joey. Have you seen any really weird, interesting props out there? Because now we know that everyone's going to be watching this thing. There's nothing else on. Any really obscure things you've seen offshore?
4: You know, they started coming out with um, where, like, you can basically pick a guy to go to X team all the way down the – you know, who are the Browns going to take? Who are the – one that I scooped up, um, FanDuel had this, too, uh, of – I don't think they had the field option in it. So this is kind of a weird – They posted FanDuel, who would the Colts take with their first pick? The Colts don't have a first round pick. So this gets you into the second round. So that's a ton of variance there as far, unless they trade into the first round of who could go there. And I was able to catch a field. So they listed like 15 guys. A lot of them weren't realistic options. I didn't think for the Colts, maybe like six of them were, and they offered a field 20 to one. And so I bet that real heavy. And if that's still up on FanDuel, if if you want to, you know, take a, a shot on a couple of guys um, that might, you know, have a chance to go to the Colts um, at 30. But once you get past, you know, the top 10 or 15 picks, you really start seeing a lot of variance, um, especially in getting into, you know, the 20s and then the early second round. So that was one I was surprised that that they books even offered um, as far as who was going to pick for them. Because usually you see that as like, you know, a top three team or a top 10 team, or, you know, they did the Eagles local. I, I'm, I'm very, so I know FanDuel's in the end. So I'm, that's probably why they put the Colts on there, but that one's got a ton of ways it could go. Um, and if you're able to get that offshore where they give you a field option, I, I like that a lot. That was at a couple of locals and a couple of offshores because um, that, that anything can happen once you get into the thirties. Yeah.
1: All right, Joey, a lot of talk about Tua and Herbert at the top of the draft and justifiably so, but I'm looking at a prop here in DraftKings here in New Jersey, the third quarterback to be drafted, Jordan Love, plus 400. Is that too good to be true?
4: It's going to depend. I still think, you know what? It's going to depend on the slot because let's say Tua gets past the Chargers, he gets past the Jaguars then it, it, he's got you know you're into this no man's land where most teams between 10 and 32 already have an established starting quarterback so you've got to have a team that's looking towards the future and wants to make him you know what you would be like the saints where you figure breeze is going to be but i know they really like taysom hill Will the patriots make a move up for Tua? do they trust the medical reports um and, you know, if you've got a team that likes Love and feels more comfortable with his skill set than Tua, I'm not saying it's not out of the realm of possibilities, because everything that's coming out in the last week or so ha- has leaned towards Tua falling down draft boards. Um, so that wouldn't, I, I, you know, from a player perspective, do I think it's a little crazy if Love went over Tua? Yes. But if you get teams that just have say, you know, he's red flagged on a number of boards, that don't want the concern you've got these front offices that, that, you know, are worried about the medical staff, not being able to check them out. I, I actually don't mind that. It's not something that I bet personally, but I, I would, it surprised me if Tua started to slide that somebody who's really um, in love with, you know, the Jordan Love physical traits, decides to take him over the medical risk of Tua. No, I wouldn't. So that, that, but you know, a month ago or during the season, you would have said that's, you know, absolutely insane, now so much stuff ha- has come out that teams are concerned with his medical. That it- it's really no telling how far he could end up going, Um, especially if he gets past the Chargers, man. Because that you don't have a lot of teams that are the the quarterback supply and demand is not what it typically is in a normal draft. You've only got a handful of teams that a need a quarterback now, um, and then the rest are are kind of like guys that would teams that would probably let them marinate for a year and those teams want to contend you say the Saints you know want to be like well they'll take a quarterback because they know Breeze is leaving they've already got Taysom Hill and they want to win a Super Bowl this year and you can get a player in the first round that can help you this year so are you going to take a quarterback of the future that's got some uncertainty there I don't know so I I, hey I don't put uh I'm not saying putting it out of the ballpark there plus 400.
1: Yeah, Kanish, you know what? I apologize. I may have not explained that correctly. I don't want to interrupt you there because you had some nice nuggets flowing. Um, Brock Landers can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm looking at DraftKings here. I believe it's third quarterback drafted in general, not even in the first round.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, that would be like, because you've got Burrow one, you would figure Herbert two, and then in between two and love of, of who ends up there as like that third quarterback Um, between two and, you know, everybody's expectation is that, you know, to us two or three, uh, unless a lot of NFL people are doing, giving up a lot of smoke. um, I don't know. It could be, it could be quite a slide for him. um, And one that, you know, would have shocked me all the way up until probably a week or two ago when all this stuff started coming out. Um, And now I don't know, I I guess we'll see here. It'll depend on the comfortability factor of a team um, wants to take a chance on him with the medical.
2: Yeah, Chris, uh, I haven't been able to to, uh, to actually double-check it. I'm seeing third quarterback drafted. Is that where you're looking?
1: Yeah, third uh, third quarterback drafted. Jordan okay. Love, plus 400. Seems... Yes, yeah, that's what it is, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, all right, Joey, I know you mentioned – um, or sorry, a lot of wide receivers coming off the board in this draft. Um, I'm looking at two names that I think could be drafted in the first round, T. Higgins and Brandon Ayuk.
4: That's what so I I faded a lot of Higgins round one. I think that if you look at his, um, and it because it happened at a pro day, not even the combine, his athletic performance, you just don't see, especially in a loaded wide receiver class, you don't typically see a guy with his athletic splits go round one. Um, from his 40 time to his cone, it was just really, really poor all the way around. Um, and so that, for me, in a class where you've got such a loaded draft, um, especially with the top four guys, I, I, I think he falls out. Ajax one that, it, you know, has kind of been a late riser. Um, he's got a great athleticism. He didn't put up, a, you know, at the numbers in college because he was in – Jane Daniels, as quarterback, um, you know, was a true freshman. He wasn't exactly, um, you know, ready for the position. So he doesn't have the production of some of the other guys. I didn't touch Ayuk either way. I know some people when it was two to one plus two hundred to go first round, grab that, and that was a good bet. Right now, I, I wouldn't touch that. Higgins, no round one. Um, I took Higgins over 26 and a half. I took him over 27 and a half. I took no round one at plus money. Um, that market's kind of been crushed at the moment. Um, but I'm still not seeing scenarios where where Higgins ends up in round one. Um, so there, you know, if you can get a bigger price on Ayuk, I don't mind that. I would totally stay away from Higgins and if anything, be willing to lay, you know, a minus 150 that he doesn't go round one. Um, It just doesn't, it it doesn't add up. His athletic profile mixed with the depth at wide receiver in this draft. um, Unless somebody is totally, totally in love with, with him as a player. um, He, he doesn't fit the profile of what's typically a one round one receiver. And you've got teams. um, It's such a deep class. I think you'll see those top four guys go and then you might get a little bit of pause. Um, you know, over five and a half wide receivers is one that's gotten totally steamed. Um, where now I'm, I'm considering coming back late here on an under five and a half uh, of, you know, if I can get a plus two fifty there, um, because you, I think you're going to see there's not a huge difference in a lot of teams boards between wide receiver five and wide receiver, you know, 12, where you can wait till the second or third round and get a guy who has as much potential as wide receiver five. Um, So for me, I I, I would stay away from Higgins. If anything, go no on round one. I think is a coin flip right now. Um, And and I am considering, you know, shopping around here this last week and coming back on an under five and a half, um, or if you can get a flat six, under six wide receivers round one.
2: Yeah, I see Pinnacle right now, uh, under five and a half wide receivers plus 190 right now.
4: Yeah, and that's, you know, I've seen uh, two to one at some places, a little bit over two to one. I think 250 there's my buy price, or I go you know minus 110 on an under six. I, I cannot see seven. I just cannot see seven wide receivers going. So for me, I think push at on six at is probably the worst. Um, I think you'd see a run in the second round of wide receivers, but for me, uh, I'll probably buy if I can find a 250 or just take a flat six. Nice,
1: tremendous stuff, guys. From Joey Kanish as usual, here on the Wager Pager Podcast. This draft class 2020 is widely considered to be very weak in the tight end area. Um, Cole Komet is the favorite across the board minus 200, but who knows? Is there another name that could go before him? And uh, if we're looking at that, there's some plus money on the board that could be pretty valuable. Troutman, Bryant. What are you thinking?
4: This is probably my favorite one to sprinkle a couple of long shots where you break up a unit and either sprinkle you know a quarter unit on four guys or a half unit on two guys, um, where I, I think. Is it likely Comet is te one? Yes, but you know to be minus four hundred, minus five hundred, some of these places is insane because you get into a um, a range where you're talking the first tight end probably doesn't come off the board until the middle of the second round at the earliest. So you're in a range in like a realm of variance um, where absolutely laying that kind of chalk is ridiculous. So I took uh, I found a Harrison Bryant twenty to one which I sprinkled a half unit on. And I took an Albert O, um, I believe it was 18-1 or 16-1 that I sprinkled on. Those were the two guys for me. Bryant, um, you know, more of an all-around player. And Albert O with the, you know, ran a 4-4-9. Athleticism isn't a great blocker. Had the potential, though. Uh, Those were the two guys for me. I don't see Troutman either as far as, you know, taking an FCS tight end that can't block would would surprise me um, if teams went there. So I took a little sprinkle on uh, Harrison Bryant and a little sprinkle on Albert O. Uh, and you got to be careful there because there's a Hunter Bryant out of UW and a Harrison Bryant FAU. It's Harrison Bryant FAU um, that I think there is worth a sprinkle if you can get it 15 or 20 to one. Um, so for me, I don't mind taking a couple of long dogs there for the tight end position because uh, obviously Komet's number one, but I could absolutely see you know one of these guys middle of their end of the second round sneaking up if a team likes one of the other players and cashing you a big ticket.
1: All right, guys. Might have to smash some underdogs here in the tight end market. <laughs> That's, That's the about- position.
4: That is the position that I absolutely think if there's going to be a long dog come through, um, that that tight end is the one where there's no real, um, you know, assurance that you're you're probably not getting around one tight end, and then you get into the second round, and to me, all bets are off.
1: All right. Uncle Kanish, that looks like uh, about all the time we have today. I'd uh, love to sit here and pick your brain about <laughs> NFL draft props for the rest of the night, but uh, we're running out of time here. You are the number one man on the gambling Twitter when it comes to props, so thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Brock, you got anything else to uh, ask Mr. Kanish, here before we take off? Uh, I just wanted to get your, your kind of just real
2: basic thoughts so far about the eSports transition and how that's going with you. Um, do you notice that these numbers are pretty true to form like a normal book would be? Are they way off? Uh, are you able to catch different lines at different places? I know there's no Don Best for it. So
4: this is this is one where you know what I could talk about is what I've learned on esports for like three hours here in the in the last <laughs> 30 days. It's been insane. There's yeah. traditional esports that have been around for years, of like the League of Legends, the Dota 2, you know, the the computer games that that you know people have been playing. Um, that that's popular in a certain segment that I that I don't think is very popular in, in a lot of game in gambling, Twitter or gambling in you know, a sportsbook, gambling places. Um, it's very popular if like you know you're a teenager and a YouTuber. Um, <laughs> so th- there's that segment that you know I, I've learned that there's a couple of providers that that. Uh, like a GG bet or a fond that are doing, you know, a, a lot of these sites have now partnered with one of those to be able to uh, offer esports gaming. The newer thing is the simulations where, you know, a right. computer's playing a computer in 2k or in Madden. And there has been some wild shit out there with, with, as far as like results that have happening, you know, I'm getting a lot of tinfoil theories. I'm on message boards. Um, <laughs> so I, I've been involved in it and I got involved, you know, the players 2k tournament, um, you know the horse competition, so yeah, the last month has been a lot of new stuff for me. Just trying to keep, you know, you know, the business afloat and trying to keep some action going. Um, Thankfully, for the, you know, in the last few weeks and here with the draft, I get back to more of my wheelhouse. You know, I, I'm in the, you know, the esports realm. I'm, I'm in this realm of, you know, madness that that I'm not, you know, sport and I'm having to talk to people, different people, capping it. So it was interesting. I learned a lot about it. Um, I'll be very happy. I'll say this. I'll be very happy when real sports return because that. It, it just, it's, can you get some action down and find edges? Yes. Do I really enjoy the product? No. I, I, it's uh, for me, I, I, it's hard for me to watch. Like I watched the Dota 2 match the other day. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Like, <laughs> was, uh, you know, a bunch of shit flying around. There talking. I don't know any of the words. I don't know any of the lingo. I don't play the game. So yeah, for me, um, it, it's, uh, the esports is, it's an interesting, um, interesting realm, but I, I'll be very happy when we can get real sports back uh, and get back to a little bit of normalcy.
2: Absolutely. I hear you loud and clear on that one.
1: All right, guys. Once again, that was the one and only Joey Kanish. You can follow him on Twitter at Joey Kanish22, where you can find him also on NBA TNT and uh, grinding out that rent.
4: <laughs> Absolutely, man. I love talking to you guys. Stay safe, stay healthy. Yes, you too, Uncle Kanish. Appreciate it. Talk to you, fellas. Thanks. All right.
1: Thanks, brother. All right, guys, that's it for Season 2, Episode 24. Special thanks to our guests, The Bear, Chris Felica, and Joey Kanish. As usual, thanks to my co-host, Brock Landers, and thanks to the guys here at Van Bores Films. And as always, good luck, happy handicapping, and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you.
0: Thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a review. And please tell all your friends about the Wager Pager podcast. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day and all calls and text messages are confidential. The Wager Pager Podcast is co-hosted by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, executive produced by Van Voorst Films, edited by Van Voorst Films, co-produced by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, created by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Music by The Morose Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. All picks are for entertainment purposes only, these plays are not financial advice.